0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of One Vision Podcast. Now, this is only the second <laughs> episode that I have made. <clears throat> um, my last one, I believe, was August of 2022. So it's been a hot second <clears throat> and a hot minute, as others would say, <laughs> on another episode. Um, it's been kind of busy uh, I'm getting married Uh, the end of 2022, well, yeah, the end, the very end of 2022, on the the 31st, um, I got married, so just getting into marriage life and getting into, uh, work life, um, settling in here in Oklahoma, great state, by the way, Okies, um, it's, uh, it's about the same as Indiana, I'd say it's, it's probably... I mean there's a little more hay fields a little flatter land but all in all it's just about the same as Indiana the weather still stinks here Um, one day it's 80 the other day it's negative 30 so I mean just about the same Um, but it has been a while since I've had a an episode so and I've been kind of taunting on stories on social media and stuff about creating a new one (laughs) It just never did. I'll admit it. I a lot of procrastination. But um, here lately, I've been working and plotting in some parts for my book I'm trying to get out there and publish. Um, another one of my procrastination moments on getting that published out, but just getting some last-minute edits and stuff like that, and then I'll be uh, publishing that out for everyone to read. And I should also have it on, um, I believe uh, for audio too, um, I'll get that on there as well, because I know some people don't like reading me, uh, that's probably it, (laughs) um, but I'll also have that on every platform and, uh, have that rolling out, but on this episode, the second one, not very far in, um, I'll be actually kind of going over and kind of just reading, um, my book, uh, for all those who didn't see the social media or don't have social media, um, it's called The Battle of Christianity. Uh, it's it's more of an excerpt. I wouldn't really call it a book. Um, I know a lot of authors would probably be offended once they see how many pages are in it. Because um, I know the, the rough amount for a book, the amount of pages for a book is like, Three hundred pages, I think somewhere on there don't don't fact check me now, okay, I know some of y'all probably <clears throat> already getting on Safari, so it's about three hundred pages somewhere around there, and mine's not that <laughs> it's, it mine mine's nowhere near that it's but it's more of kind of like an excerpt. I've been working on it um ever since probably. My last year of high school is when I started it um it was actually for a um for a last assignment I think for my English class i believe um but I just kind of from there on going into college, I had put some more stuff into it that stuff that hit my head, stuff that I caught on while um reading in the Bible stuff that kind of caught my mind um I would plug in there and I was kind of put it into a book form uh, some kind of more of like a excerpt kind of format, but, um, so I'll be kind of just going over this book, uh, what I've written, touching on just stuff and, you know, what I've wrote on here, kind of put my own opinion on it. It's just, it is my opinion in here, but I'm putting an opinion onto another opinion. Uh, so (laughs) there's that. Um, so sorry, cracking up. It's, it's, Uh, just talking on this, it's just kind of weird sometimes, because it's just me in a lonely room, so, and then I start laughing, and then I think in the back of my head, you know, Ethan, you're so weird, why are you laughing at yourself right now? It feels like you're talking to yourself, but I'm not. You see, I'm talking to other people. So, anyways, anywho, how long are we in this? Oh my. Okay, so, starting off, um, the Battle of Christianity, kind of an overview of what it is, is like, um, Kinda of just like a book of principles, just kind of going off of just basic Bible and kind of explaining it into simpler terms and try to put in my own opinion and rap on it. Um so starting off, I my first my first chapter is uh Principles of Truth. So I'll just start reading on that and we'll see where we get. Um And every single thing I've said in here, every single thing I've written in here, some things still may be grammarly off. I haven't got it professionally edited yet, so all you book scholars and literature critics, you know, don't pause it and look over and be like, man, this guy's totally just ruined that whole sentence because I probably have on a few of these. I now live in Oklahoma, so I've also come to their language here. Um, It's not good or bad English. It's just English. So, uh... Stick with me and try to listen listen up and see if you agree something you don't agree or you do agree. That's what I like. I like people to get their brain rolling and thinking and what they believe. But a lot of stuff in here is in the Bible, so I believe almost all of it's true. But, of course, there's my own opinions on it, just kind of putting in a a talk on it, uh, what I believe it's saying um, biblically. So starting off, Principles of Truth, Chapter 1. <clears throat> Clear my, my wind pipes here. Ugh, okay, <clears throat> sorry. In today's society, most people say that, say, <laughs> I already messed up right there. And also, I'm not putting an edit on this podcast. Um, I know a lot of people do that to make it sound super professional. I'm not really like that. Say what you will about it, but I like people to get the raw material and the, the true, not the fake. Um, starting over. In today's society, most people say they are Christians, but at the same time, do not believe in the existence of creation or the true true steps of salvation. (laughs) Stick with me. We read that God is the author and creator of science itself, yet throughout the years, that subject has been tweaked. Most people impersonate the lifestyle of a Christianity, but they want to make themselves look even better, wanting to be held high in regards and respect. Um... that's 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 kind of what i've been seeing i mean counting my age and my you know my limit of wisdom um just getting out what i can of this everyday lifestyle and world um there's a lot of i would say just impersonators out there uh Kind of just impersonating the lifestyle of Christianity, but not really living up to it, um, including their their works and um, how they live their daily, day-to-day lifestyle uh, just proves that. <clears throat> Although they may tell you that they are a Christian and they believe in God, it doesn't necessarily mean they are of Christ. How does that work out? What do people really call Christianity. I'll answer and ask, what are their works, and how are they really living according to the word of God? In the modern day, the word Christianity can go a long way as far as describing what it entails. Before you read any farther into this excerpt, I want to point out the main reason why this is even being written. I must impeach the false doctrine using God's word through my words and replace it with truth. As much as I can, you know, not everyone can be at one place at one time, but I do feel I feel the the urge to spread the true gospel of Christ um out into the whole world nationally worldwide if I can. Um that's the main reason I'm starting this this podcast actually is, you know, not not being able to be here and be there you know, as as a missionary would, but I want to get out my thoughts and my little <laughs> wisdom that i have that i you know that i've i've picked up and i've 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 carried on my shoulders um these 21 years um but i i i feel that um i feel that i i need to do this a lot of people my age don't want to do this or if they do it's not necessarily all of it they want to give some of it and save the rest for popularity and the rest for a lot of other things, other than what really needs to be done and what needs to be said, um, not behind a closed curtain. <clears throat> it's mind blowing how the world has succumbed to easy living, how Christians have feathered off to cling to what is comfortable. They live in this comfort zone, as in being comfortable in their way of speaking, their way of thinking, even teaching. It's only because of their ignorance towards the truth which is right in front of them. This truth being the real Word of God. Now, everyone calls the Bible the Word of God, whatever you want to call it, you know, the loaf of bread, whatever you want to call uh, this book that has all these chapters in it. um, They want to call it something of their own and not what it really is. They want to put a price tag on it, and put a label on it that really doesn't add up to its true worth or meaning um, and all of the wisdom that's in to that little book. Um, Even I, growing up, was taught principles and doctrines that had loose ends and missing parts and pieces that just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Sermons that were taught, which instead of improving my understanding with God, it only improvised that which was meant to be taught. It is kind of Growing up, I've been taught by a lot of people and a lot of of ministers and and just kind of going through the motions and throughout the years and listening to all of them after really digging into the word of god and 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 really being convicted and and seeing the truth i i I see now that not everyone wants to not not everyone wants to be I would say responsible for the real words said in the Bible for the words that come out of their mouth. They want to they want to be the hearers of good news. They want to be the, you know, bearers of good news. Sorry, miss misworded there. They want to always give um good news and 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 comfort and I you know, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with giving someone comfort, but but naturally and physically um, in the body, you know, our biology. We are we we love to be, you know, I would say just nourished and um, just kind of protected and comforted from anything dangerous or anything that's that could cause harm to us mentally, physically, spiritually. We want to, we want to be in that safe place, and we're in that safe place. We feel safe. We feel secure. We don't want to wander out anywhere else we want to be told that we're going to be okay so naturally knowing this speakers ministers preachers so on and so forth they will speak what wants to be heard instead of what needs to be heard if that makes sense <clears throat> um um I missed a little bit up here right after that, which is in front of them. However, to those who never heard of this truth yet are still fed faulty nourishment, are still responsible for their actions. Um, People who still listen to ministers, people who still listen to preaching, who still listen. I mean, of all kind of of all of these. These beliefs and these these religions that are out there in the world. There uh, there will be. Faulty nourishment. There will, there, there will be nourishment given, but it's not the right kind of nourishment. It's, it's temporary nourishment. It's conditional nourishment. It's going to run out. It's going to go away at some point when the truth is, is temporarily, is eventually revealed. Um, <clears throat> sermons that were taught, which instead of improving my understanding with God, it only improvised that which was meant to be taught. Words that were spoken meant only to encourage and suit worrisome minds instead of words meant to awaken and turn them. Exactly what I was just speaking on earlier. These kinds of people, these Pharisees, seek attention for popularity purposes and are constantly consumed with obscenities. These certain problems proved by their actions are involved with living their life making them a Pharisee. We do have those types of people who reject God and back atheism, of course, although some Christians who have lived for God have backslid on that far forgotten road where no real Christian, person of God, servant of God, child of God, would ever want to be driving on. A real Christian, meaning believing in one God, one baptism, one spirit, not false doctrine, but oneness doctrine. Believing not what is comfortable or easy, but what is written. Written as in spoken from God himself. Not a mentor, not a pastor, not a preacher, not a Pharisee. <clears throat> the Bible wasn't made to be edited nor filtered. It was created as a roadmap. So what is a roadmap if it, if it doesn't show you what the true way is? What has happened to God's tabernacle? What What has happened to it? Where has the true... Tabernacle gone to what it has what has it become. See how over these two thousand years or so the detrimental downfall that has taken place in God's sanctuary. The root r- r- the root meaning in the word sanctuary means be holy. How sad it is that modern day churches have lost the only meaning for their gathering to worship the Lord. How can you create an atmosphere of worship and rich with the Holy Ghost that there is no true holiness being expressed? Adoration is great, but if it, but if it isn't backed with works, we then just put on a show for ourselves and our own benefit and not God's. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, guys, the church will turn its sanctuary that was once made for consecration and holiness into a succumbed temple of that which was in the New Testament. The sadness it truly brings when God's children, those who are meant to walk in his footsteps, have veered away from the target. Starting in Jeremiah 10:20, we hear this exact history that's being written right now. Jeremiah is crying out these words of wisdom declaring the Lord's authority and existence being the only one and true God. Before we explain the verse, we must understand the context of what the tabernacle consisted of. First off, there was the barrier that surrounded the tabernacle enclosing it from the outside world. When the God created a place for him to dwell in the Old Testament, he had to have it secluded from the rest of the world. Yet at the same time, he had to have it stand out from the rest of society so it were presented as a pillar or a beacon of hope for those who needed their sins forgiven. This is Old Testament, so this is Old Testament, Old Law, the Ark of the Covenant, so on and so forth. The same same is how God must, he must, all caps, have a clean temple or a clean heart to dwell in. There can't be any blockage or space taken up. There can't be any false religion. There can't be any 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 pride. If you want to be a servant for God's kingdom, you have to be easily accessible. Your heart has to be surrendered as well as your mind and body. When the temple was built in the Old Testament, there wasn't just a the door. There wasn't just a door standing there and, that you know, people of the tribes walk by, there's a the temple. What It's just that big door over there, you know, that big, big stone door. Anything in it? No, just walk through the door. That wouldn't make sense. It's the the holy place, the, the tabernacle. <clears throat> there wasn't just a pillar or two. The temple had to be complete, complete inside and out. Inside and outside, it had to be complete for God's spirit to dwell in. Now people will say, oh, you could have put it in some shack and you just could have put the Ark of the covenant inside that and that would have been – but that didn't happen, which everything in the Bible was written and happened for a reason. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with that and not the what-ifs and the should have could have. One thing I know along with what the Bible tells us, God hates a cluttered temple. God's tabernacle had to be easily accessible and easily visible. That's said, what's sad is modern churches take that statement a little too seriously. They create these five-story high crosses that make, that make the church look more like a playhouse than a safe house. They decorate the inside of the church, even the sanctuary, with costly materials and linings of silver and silk. These churches create huge lobbies or vestibules of some sort of gathering place to show things of advertisement, advertising food, clothes, and handouts. All they, really do, all they really are doing is recreating this corrupted temple as in the New Testament. How wild it is in the Old Testament, which insisted of the tabernacle that didn't have lobbies or vegetables. Yet in the New Testament, the temple had tables of food, advertising, and other merchandise for your flesh. It's astonishing how along with the change of times, the change of heart and belief and God deteriorated as well. God's dwelling place consisted of no advertising or selling of worldly possessions. There were the on, there were only the things of God. <clears throat> so here we have <clears throat> Jeremiah speaking of God's tabernacle in the Old Testament. He starts in the verse twenty by speaking out: "My tabernacle is spoiled, and all my cords are broken. My children are gone forth from me, and they are not. There is none to stretch forth my tent any more, and to set up my curtains." How interesting it is to see the ownership or the dedication to this place in Jeremiah's words. When you're dedicated to the order, the correct order of God's tabernacle, you will start to feel as if you are a piece of its timber or a stitch of its curtain. Being the bride of Christ is no easy job. It is our job to keep ourselves in God's place of dwelling pure and without blemish. As, as I said earlier, as in the Old Testament, uh, the old the tabernacle with was pure and without blemish a man or woman enjoys coming home to a maintained place of living i love coming home to a clean house my wife is an amazing cleaner she she cleans very well it's 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 and i i am too i'm also a very good cleaner uh we both have a little bit of you know ocd in us so it's it's great it works out great that way um but i love coming home from work and Walking in the smell of pumpkin and the smell of fresh fabric. I don't know if anyone knows what that smells like. (laughs) I love coming into a smell, a good-smelling, clean house because I feel better about myself. We love returning to a familiar, comfortable environment where we enjoy abiding. A place that isn't pure or just in the eyes of God becomes a hindrance to him. Henceforth, when this particular place becomes a hindrance, it is no it no longer weighs the burden of Christ. He's no longer there. Now this place, this church, which once was which once was created to serve, now serves as a sharp hindrance to God, as that the crown as that of the crown of thorns which was pressed onto his head at Calvary. One of the most important things about the Order of God's Tabernacle is there was nothing out of place. Every single object and person was meant to be in the right order. The right thing when learning God's laws. He must have order in the right chrono- chronological way. With, with, excuse me, without correct order, there is no system. When you're at work and you're doing your job, a lot of jobs are structured in the way of like an assembly line almost. Even if you're in business, even if you're in cooking, if even if you're in real estate or you're in the trade if you're in a factory uh engineering or anything of that sort um you you always are doing something in order it it has to go in order when when you are building like me personally I work at a engineering company where we build skids of pipe that that create all kinds of gases and they sit out in the field and they separate all the gases out in the field um, when they bring that in, they bring in first the skids, big structure things that the pipe sits on, and they bring in the pipe and all the little elbows and the big long lines of pipe and all the stuff that goes on it. We put those together and we send those down and they get put on the skids and then everything from there goes on and all the little bitty and fancy looking things get, on, get put on it and then it gets moved out of the shop. It don't come in, and you know, one the pipe's already done. There wouldn't be a need for a, our job. There wouldn't be a need for an engineer's job if if the if you know the engines came in and there were there was they were already done. They're like, why are we even here? We should just retire now. So everything has to be in order, complete order. Hope that scroll on just made sense there. <clears throat> there's there's no correlation between man and God when order isn't taken seriously. The word of God is in order, just as history of men repeats itself. God has such a mindset of correct order, he sets our entire timeline in existence to repeat itself over and over again. And you can see that by just now in the modern day of how it's, you know, we went through all kinds of history. Look, Just look in your history book and look at everything that happened from the 1600s to modern day. And you can see at a certain point, it starts over again. Not the exact same history, the exact same incident, but it's the same kind of history that happens. Jeremiah continues to say in verse 21, For the pastors are, are become brutish and have not sought the Lord. Therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall scatter. Pastors and preachers and churches have become brutish or, or stupid in a tense, fools and unteachable. They become stubborn in their beliefs in the motto of what the true... Way is these fake preachers, these false prophets, these Pharisees, are no longer seeking the Lord in prayer. Truly, these men have a so-called backbone, but yet somehow and structured somehow, it's structured in the wrong order. Their main vessels, their foundation has been shaken so badly; they have been so distraught and so shaken off the 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 right path. They no longer know why why. Or what they stand for. Yet out of fear of being mocked and ridiculed by other people in their their congregation, with a crippled mindset, they stick to the stereotypical ways by those whom they followed for years. By this happening, the congregation scatters mentally, not just physically. Even the church is swarmed with people spiritually. The people of the church will be scattered in thinking and theory. They don't know Adam from Eve. Even if I'm incorrect, try going to a church in your town, not of your own belief but someone else's. See, you wouldn't consider your own church corrupt since you've been in there for so long, so that wouldn't work. Go sit down in some other church's pew and listen to whoever's speaking. A major amount of false prophets, if if not all of them, will speak with the same tongue in the same way, even if the language isn't the same. We may vary in tongue, but Satan always stays the same. You'll soon find out after listening to the breathless words coming out of the false preacher's mouth that everything he's saying is not of conviction, but yet only convincing. Let me get my drink real quick, cause I am so cotton mouth right now. Oh I told you guys this wasn't really professional. Woo! Sorry guys, I was about to pass out there. So what makes a key false prophet, you see, is when they can convince you towards commitment instead of conviction. I'll say that again. What makes a key false prophet is when, you, is when they can convince you towards commitment instead of conviction. They will corny you and chase you even into their belief as fast as they possibly can because they want, they want to get to you. And they want to get you attached to their words and body movements. They want you to feel these actions feel filled with faulty emotions, so you won't quit. You won't question their spiritual integrity. They want to make you feel pulled in. They want to pull you in with 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 words and with emotionalism. And they just want to put on a show, so you won't question their integrity. Even if you do end up questioning their words and beliefs in the Word of God, if you bring it to them. They all will give you the same answers. Well, that's what my father preached and he preached what his father preached, brother or sister. If it feels good, it must be God. These men do not seek the counsel of God, nor do they seek his will in their life. They seek for worldly favor and popularity. They want followers, not brothers and sisters. They want to be a leader, not a follower. They don't want to be seen as equal to their peers or fellow church members and in, in the outward, when you talk to him, you know, and you're 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 talking to whoever your pastor or leader is and they're talking, they want to put off as a good pastor, a good church leader. They want to show themselves friendly, but in their mind, they want to be a leader and they don't see themselves as equal to their peers or fellow church members. They consist of no humility, but only passionate feelings which sprout from financial compensation and vocal support compensation as, as from the church members, from the congregation. As far as the tithing and offering, this is compensation for a lot of the preachers and pastors. So how can these men, men be a servant for Christ if they can't follow him correctly? It's because they never sought after the Lord, even in the first place. Jeremiah speaks in conclusion in verse 24, O Lord, correct me but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Jeremiah represents the Jewish nation and its people, or in reality, you and I. Jeremiah realizes that ex- that and accepts the corruption of his nation and people. Yet Jeremiah pleads with the Lord to only chastise his people with judgment. He knows his people deserve God's anger. That's the thing with Jeremiah is he knew, he knew the guilt that they had on them. They knew he knew the wrongdoing that they have done to God's word because Jeremiah knew God's word. With God's correction, he allows mercy and grace. However, soon when we are standing in front of him, judgment will be delivered without either. What most people see in churches now is more and more of mellow reverence. We sometimes forget the end game and get off on bunny trails and shortcuts with our respect to the realization that you don't deserve the breath you are taking at this exact second. Jeremiah represents humility in this verse. He shows us that even though he realizes the mercy he has, He still at any time could curse or remove the Jewish nation from the face of the earth. From that realization, Jeremiah pleads with God using humility and humbleness. These two factors are what the modern church and modern Christianity come short of. Very short of. Everyone wants to be a part of the church. So much they will only focus on their involvement and title within its walls. They focus too much on their reputation. They miss out on the point of being alive in the first place. These kinds of people even some pastors don't understand the importance of keeping on good terms with God. It's easy to misunderstand the depths of God's mercy really really and really what it entails. It's easy to take God's judgment for granted along with his word. Do we even know what move may be our last? What breath may be our last? What morning we wake up and our last sunrise we'll see? Keeping on good terms or keep or keeping humility on the forefront of our minds will keep us in check with God. We have stopped believing the existence of God along with his creation because we are in absolute despair. It's only when virtue reaches the highest point that doubt soon will flood in. Sometimes people get so busy with themselves trying to look perfect and act perfect on the outside, they, for- they will forget who they serve on the inside. Mark 8.36 For what profits a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? That was chapter 1. Um, again, that was called... Principles of Truth. That was chapter one, um, and I guess I'll go ahead and read chapter two. Uh, kept you guys too long, hoping some of you guys aren't asleep or shut me off already. Uh, okay, here we go. So chapter two, I've lost it. Never mind. Here we go. Chapter two is not. It's kind of on the same subject as chapter one, but. It's more focused on one certain subject, this certain subject. I may say it so much in this in this chapter that you may go crazy and never use this ever again, which would be a really bad thing. So this next chapter is called Critical Thinking in Society. Now remember guys, a lot of this story i writ, I written, I'm a great, I can speak so well. A lot of this story was written when I was a lot younger, so... This next chapter was kind of when I started it, so it's a lot. You'll 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 figure it out. I mean, there's there's still some really good stuff in here because I went through here and edited a lot of it, but you'll kind of see a little bit of what I was what I what I'm saying here. But um, just as far as I keep on one subject for a long time and I kind of explain a lot of stuff that I really don't you're like okay why do we need to know this you know but you'll you'll see you'll see all of you critics out there. <clears throat> So, have the people of God realized the importance of critical thinking throughout their ministry in God's kingdom? We all know people who despise God and use critical thinking mainly because it's a necessity to mature mentally. However, using this smart way of thinking, Christians can not only abide by God's word better, but also relate to God's word better. Being susceptible isn't always a weakness, as long as you know who you're susceptible to. Susceptibility can vary in your mindset. Critical thinking through prayer can help you guide your mind to the right answers. Over the past years, our thinking has become so numb that we don't have the pillars of knowledge as our forefathers. Proverbs 14:15. The simple believe everything, but the prudent give thoughts to their to his steps. We have been given this verse to instruct us how to think and how not to think. Yet instead, we put it aside and wonder why we can't outthink a commercial. Because I know a lot of you guys get on your social media and you get on your Facebook and you get on your, I don't know, MySpace. I don't know. I don't want to use that anymore. But these, these, these things pop up, these commercials, these ads, they, they, they pop up. And I've actually, I've been witness to following a few of them. I had an amazing clothesline ad that came up and I was like, wow, this is a really popular clothesline. I'm just going to get it on here. And they had some cologne on there, and you know, me, I'm a weakness to cologne, so I'm like, oh, that's really good, so I bought a bottle, never got it in. It was a very expensive bottle, too, and and I'm always telling people, like, dude, you would really, like, give in to those ads, like, pff. and I'm the one who bought a brand new bottle of cologne and never got it in, so, yeah, uh, wouldn't do that. Always hit on the site, make sure it has that little padlock-looking deal at the very top. <laughs> Didn't do that, by the way, so... Here, here we are. Um, so, our util- our <laughs> I messed that word up so much. Our ulterior motives in life can define large problems and pull out the best with the worst. We have to follow guidelines for ourselves in order to keep on to keep on track. How do we see things in our own perspective nowadays? Can we break things down so we can solve them? I believe we can and will be able to look back at our problems so we can solve future problems. All this will predict the actions you will succeed in your lifetime. Critical thinking can affect our physical physical side. This affects our financial stability, marriages, daily tasks, and especially our own relationship with God. We should also use critical thinking in our professions. A firefighter uses a huge critical thinking part in his responsibilities. He or she needs to think about how they will enter a house and how they should hose down and what to knock down with an axe. They risk their life every day by using critical thinking, which is very difficult in a life-or-death situation. A soldier also uses critical thinking. When he or she is in combat or searching a hostile room, how will they turn the corner? Will they be prepared for a tripwire or a sniper who's looking through the windows? Depending on the way the soldier thinks, he or she or future will follow in those steps. I means he's going to die or he's going to live, Um, especially at an explosive ordnance disposal specialist, an, e- an EOD – they have to be very careful with every single move they make. It is a big risk for their lives and other people's. These types of people and careers definitely need these guidelines on an everyday basis. However, we who are not in this position also need guidelines of critical thinking. We should have successful goal in life, which we should not only reach but overcome. We always set on average or what we could be, but we never. But then we say that it will probably never happen. Just like when I say I'll do another episode on my podcast, and it doesn't happen for a very long time. Shoulda, coulda, was. We as a society should also put God first in our critical thinking. We should stick to his plan or whatever we do in life. We need to fail big so we can learn from it and dream bigger. I didn't mean to do that on purpose. Don't go out and shoot someone and say, whoa, I feel big. Now I'm listening to him. That, it's 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 deeper than that. How do we take care of our own problems day to day? Are we asking help from God and using critical thinking, or are we just going by what the devil makes us think? Are we stepping back and taking a third-person view of our lives before we start something new spiritually or fleshly? Are we pausing and contemplating the outcome of where we will be or how we might be affected? We should never make a move or progress further if we haven't made a set-in-stone decision. Set-in-stone meaning we are confident and committed to our answer. This this can happen and will only happen by going down on our knees before God and giving ourselves to the work of God. We then start using critical thinking and start process of elimination. By starting this, we grow closer relationship with God, having a kingdom-like mind, giving us a tool to infuse into problems before they hit us out of the blue. And there's still going to be stuff that's going to hit us out of the blue. There's still going to be problems and situations that's, that, that's just going to happen. It's called life, you know? Reality says most people like to think inside inside the box because it's more comfortable, like I talked on earlier. Except in this way of critical thinking, the normal way is not the key to, to success. We should have daily goals that we set, not because we have to, but because we want to. How do you think Albert Einstein became a fam- famous inventor? He used his so-called mini marbles to complete all of his tasks. Wow, I was so young here. <clears throat> Starting your future career... Which, hey this stuff is still good okay, as I fact checked all of this all right, okay, it's all still good, it's just i'm I'm a little cringy sometimes you are a little corny so it's, it's it's pretty bad um, my wife would definitely agree to that it's, it's I was a very corny guy, wow, starting your future career will definitely take a critical thinking it will definitely take a critical thinking. I don't know why I started talking like that oh <laughs> god I'm going to look back on this episode and listen to it later on and be like, man, I'm so dumb. Oh, and you all know it's true too. <clears throat> College isn't just a hop, skip, and a jump, and then you've completed your life in calling dreams. Life takes critical thinking day in, day out. We can, can't cartoon our so-called living for the future. We need to take a step back and realize that life isn't just a handful of lollipops. You will face heartaches, and you will stumble upon pinnacle rising rocks, that will make you fall and produce scars that will always be there when you wake up in the morning. Except when you pick yourself up out of bed, you will realize that you are not just a broken vessel to be used for the glory of God, but you are an adi- an artifact of his kingdom. You will have remembrance of your many battles and will be be able to testify in, that you are stronger than ever before. Just because you use this wisdom consumed by God's spirit, which got you through life's deadly punches. We should be that child who chooses the one dollar bill rather than rather than the five dollar bill because we know that in time we will soon have a boatload of money. I'm not saying to use critical thinking because become a millionaire, because I would already be one. I'm just kidding. I'm I'm very far from that. Then toss all of what you learn out the window because you think that you have found the key to success, because that's that's impossible. Again, life is not that easy. The more knowledge you have, the more problems you will understand and will be able to overcome only through God and by his grace. If you use if you use the love of money to buy you things that do not satisfy yourself for the better, then why do we invent currency in the first place? The love of the love of the money, the love of money is root to all evil. If you find yourself wallowing what you call happiness, you have missed out on the joy of the Lord. We should complete this small task in life by using critical thinking, because in the end, we will have fooled that old devil. Corny. Critical thinking is an important key to have mental. S- Critical thinking is an important key to have in life. We can not only solve our problems with we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we use when we created them. Our, that was quoted by Albert Einstein. Most people, most people, use critical thinking every in everyday life. There is no payment for critical thinking, no penalties. The only thing that someone has to lose while using this creative way of thinking is nothing. Critical thinking is a way of thinking that is not of average humans. Normal thinking is not bad. However, most thinking is based on assumptions. Assumption is the master and caretaker of people's way of thinking. The average human wants to get his or her problem solved by thinking the easiest way possible, or which is another example of laziness. You sloth. Critical thinking also involves how the world revolves and acts, especially the people who, who are inside of it. Critical thinking is a super important, but it means nothing. It means nothing. It's not even meant to be recollected. If the person using it doesn't know how it works, the saying, it takes one to know one, is definitely key when it comes to talking about critical thinking. Now, just how do people use this way of thinking in everyday life? An important element of critical thinking is our spiritual life. If you should, if you should never let your guard down when it comes to using critical thinking with the devil – He is a liar and one of the best ones, too. The main area you must focus on when using critical thinking is which area you will attack me first. Jesus, of course, in the Bible used critical thinking every day. When God walked the earth, he was tempted by Satan. Satan told God that if he came, if he gave him all the power and bowed to him, he would give him the true place of authority, which we all know that that was a bunch of baloney. Of course, God said, get thee behind me, devil, and the devil fled. In this situation, it could have gone very bad, which is immediately turned around because God used power and stopped the devil from tempting him because he is God. Another story of person thinking critically in the Bible was Moses. Moses used critical thinking in a number of ways, mainly when he was obeying God. God first approached Moses in the fiery bush. Burst. <laughs> a fiery bush. Okay, I don't know where I got a R from. The one who states his case first seems right and until the other comes and examines him. Proverbs 18, 17. When Moses was approached by God at the burning bush, he didn't run away and cower in fear, although he did, not in the moment, but then afterwards he fled to the wilderness and so on and so forth, came back. We've all seen the little cartoon, okay? When Moses ordered Pharaoh to let his people go, Pharaoh did not let his people go. Although he ran from fear, once he humbled himself, Moses did what God told him to do, and in the end, his people were free. Critical thinking is – and also don't get mixed up on if I use critical thinking, I can do absolutely anything because that's what God is for. So this this is just – I'm just saying using this kind of thinking in your day-to-day life is kind of what I'm saying. The Bible says we are created in God's image. This means you you also have some of his characteristics. Is that crazy or what? <laughs> Which includes critical thinking. You're like, man, thought you were going to say something else. Back to this same exact word. We use this type of thinking in arguments and big decisions. It's almost over, guys. People use critical thinking in big decisions like standing over a product person to someone else. If that person does not use critical thinking, it could be bad news for them in the future, like when someone scammed me on a bottle of cologne. This type of thinking also helps in small thinking, about like what children use. Critical thinking is very key when it comes to making choices big or small. A child uses it when he or she plays with a certain toy. A child can either pick one or that they know no one else is able to play with or like. A child also uses critical thinking on decisions like what kind of ice cream they want to eat or what friends they want to invite over to their house and play with. It may not seem like a huge decision on a child's way of thinking, but in reality, all Christian critical thinking is the same in decision-making, big or small. This way of thinking can also be used in arguments portrayed by a man and his wife or a good friend. When a husband and a wife argue, they use critical thinking (laughs) most of the time, okay? Sometimes it's hard to tell whether the husband or wife uses critical thinking in an argument. This is because every once in a while when a woman argues or a man argues, their mindset isn't on the situation itself, but it's somewhere else. The man loses control when he gets angry and dives too deep into the situation. It doesn't matter. There is no discussing the problem. It's now a life or death situation. One, when it started off, where are the keys to the house, or where did you put my favorite mug I like in the house that turns into World War <clears> Three. <throat> this leads to the characteristics of a man and woman's body and mind with dealing with critical thinking. When it comes to the thinking in general, women are right there with it. Most of the time, women have already planned what they wanted to do ahead of time. The average woman's mind can decide over a certain task with more detail, which makes a certain situation better. Even so the amount of thought put into it is really what matters. The gift of precision thinking on all things at the same time is what women have and men don't. Men really just want to have something. They do not really I mean we think deep into stuff, don't get me wrong. I mean we're we're always you know, we're always making sure is this is going to benefit me, my family is going to benefit and so on and so forth. But I mean when it comes to something simple, we'll be like, yeah, just give it to me, you know. I really don't care. How <clears throat> The design and structure of a woman's brain is made intentionally for checking purposes. If you ever know what that means. That checking tool which women uses is not bad at all. It's actually very good, which men need a lot more of. This tool that women use keeps men in check because they get distracted very easily. Yes, from experience, men are easily distracted and need some checking most of the time by a companion. Every man needs a wife who knows him and wants to get him back on track. There are a number of people that jobs or car critical thinking... Some jobs require more critical thinking than others. If you want a good job that will feed you mentally, you need, you need critical thinking to formulate situations into great outcomes and not great losses. The president has a very important role that involves this type of thinking. Can not only decide plans but inspire ideas in indulging nation that wants to pleasure all day every day. The interesting models and laws around you were passed by the president. To be a good president who can think critically, stabilize nation and people, and keep freedom throughout all the world, must know what he is doing. <laughs> Yes, he must know. Another person who must use critical thinking in in his or her job is a judge, especially in the Supreme Court. A judge must must know his or her job and rights. The person they are dealing with is in their hands. Good or bad, high power, average authority, critical thinking is what people need in order to perform good works in in this world. God has given this tool for us to use it correctly. It can be used for greater things than none of us humans could ever imagine. The authority of critical thinking has been created and perfected by God. If we use this smart way of thinking to our fullest ability in our everyday walk of life, it will pay us back with a place of God in eternity. That's chapter two. Okay. It's basically talking about using our mind correctly in our decision making. It's not just critical thinking. It's just... I use that word a little too much, but it's basically what I'm talking about is how are we walking day-to-day life on our decision-making and our our mental reflexes, our spiritual reflexes, on on everything that hits us in the face day-to-day. That's basically what that was all about. So, chapter 3 in this excerpt is called Satan's influence throughout our walk in life. Um, starting it off, people today think pride and involvement with the key of women is, is the key. Sorry, I'm going to start that over. I think I just had a brain absolute shutdown right there. Um, people today think pride and the involvement with women is the key to success. and That was talking mostly to men right there and or women. The involvement with men is not the key to success. I'm not saying that all women or all men are bad. It is what a man or woman's mind does to someone else rather than towards himself. If that makes any sense to you guys. I hope it it did. Um, It is what a... I just read that. Um, A horse pill of pride is what takes over somebody's mind. This can revolt in the flesh of a human being that is battling between their personality and their personal thoughts. And this next, I'll read one more paragraph, and this is going to be like the trailer for the next uh, chapter, because that's all I'm reading of the book. This is going to be it. Yes, that means you have to stay tuned for the next episode. You're going to be like, Ethan, that's not going to be until, like, next year. It's actually, it's not, okay? All right? I'm going to, this I just – I didn't want to read the whole thing. I wanted to put a little a little bit of a cliffhanger out there for you guys, you know. So one more paragraph and I am completo with this. Another thing that comes in a, a human mind when under anxiety is doubt. The law of undulation has taken part in this subject. Satan has ways of tempting us and getting under our skin. So we will have second thinker actions in life so that he can take control in our next. That's eternity. Satan puts thoughts inside of our heads of dying and what will happen after our death. He tries to set our minds on this type of zombie-like motivation to overcome our goals, withholding us from, our growing, from growing spiritually. We hear more regrets now than hopes just because Satan said one evil, twisted word that penetrated our souls. People give up too easily, too fast, if they only knew the incentive that lays await for them, who fight the good fight and keep the faith. And I'm going to leave it with that, because that's called the cliffhanger, if y'all learned that in school. And we all hated that, all the students who were in school. Um, But that's all I'm going to go for today of my book. Um, The book. What's the title of the book, Ethan? The Battle of Christianity. Um, That's all I'm going to be doing uh, so far far as as far as today. It's called Ethan Needs to Go to Bed. Um, but that's all I'm going to read so far today. I hope you guys have liked, uh, what has been said so far. If you don't like some things, if you like some things, I like that because it gets everybody talking and it gets some stuff rolling around in your head and your mind. And the main and the main, um, the main reason I want this book out there and I want to finish this book is because I want this, I want, I want this to happen. I want people, I want your minds to be tricked. I want your minds to be. I want you to contemplate on really your true belief and where you are right now in God and your religious intention, like who who you are religiously, who you are in front of God and stay in front of God. Who are you and what do you believe in? What are your what are your principles in life? What are your your principles of truth? My, my first chapter, What are, are your principles of truth? What do you stand for in this life? Who do you stand for? yourself do you stand for god do you stand for others or do you stand independently and pridefully um so that's the first part of there i'm just gonna leave it there um i should have the whole book out uh for you guys to have so you can read yourself or listen to on audio that, that'll be out and also it'll be out book form for all you old bookworms who like to have the pages and smell a brand new book because i'm like that uh but this is this will be out shortly as far as the rest of the podcast. I'll be saying the re- reading the rest of the book as well. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you had a few laughs. I hope none of you are snoring. And if you are, good for you. Everyone needs a little sleep. here now and then. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, I will catch you on the next run. Thank you for listening to One Vision Podcast. Hosted by yours truly, Ethan Mills. Thank you.